Welcome to the Hotel News Now Podcast Network. I'm Robert McCune, Senior Managing Editor, and I'm pleased to present the latest episode of the Next Gen and Lodging Podcast, in which host Chris Henry welcomes travel guides Gus Glider and Leslie Boggess for an exploration of the intricate interplay between global affairs and world travel. Thank you for listening. You can find this podcast and more on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Hello and welcome to our latest edition of Next Gen and Lodging. My name is Chris Henry. Uh, I'm here today with Gus Glider and Leslie Bogus, um, both of whom are travel industry experts, but we're doing something a little bit different today. Instead of solely focusing on the hospitality industry itself, we're going to be talking about the impact that global affairs has on the travel industry at large. Um, first off, uh, Gus, why don't you take a quick few few seconds here to uh, tell us about your business and, and what you do? Thanks, Chris. My name's Gus Gleiter, and I started the company Egypt Adventures Travel about three and a half years ago. And I provide customized and curated trips to Egypt. I do group tours, I set up private tours, and then I also lead trips to Egypt myself. Fantastic. Thank you. And how about you, Leslie? Do you want to give us a quick uh, overview? Yeah. So my name is Leslie Bogus. I am a travel agent with the agency Travelmation. I have been in the travel industry for 13 years and more in detail to just being a travel agent. I also own a vacation rental business in Nashville. Fantastic. Thank you both for, for willingly joining and coming on the podcast. It's uh fun, Leslie, to reconnect with you after all these years. Um, for our listeners, Leslie and I, we went to college together at Johnson & Wales uh, far too long ago. And then Gus is best friends with my partner, and they uh, went to college together. So Gus, I want to start with you and uh, something completely unrelated to Egypt, but you were just traveling in Japan and got caught up in uh, two sort of disasters that impacted your trip uh, to one extent or another between the New Year's earthquake and the uh, plane crash. Um, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about your experience with that and how uh, how that impacted your trip and uh, what changes had to be made along the way. Definitely. My family and I do a big trip together every Christmas and this year we decided to go to Japan. And little did we know that while we were there, we would be experiencing an earthquake. And then while we were on the runway about to take off, um, we would be right next to a really tragic plane crash. So both of those things happened toward the tail end of the trip. The earthquake, we felt it when we were at lunch. We were having lunch at a yakitori restaurant in Tokyo, and we felt the whole building. We were sitting on the upper level, and we felt the whole building shake but nothing um, really scary happened besides that. And then we read about the earthquake in the news and the tsunami warning. At the time we were on the Eastern part of the country and that was happening on the West. So we felt pretty sheltered and pretty safe from all of that. But then uh, a couple of days later, we got ready to fly out and head back home to Minneapolis. And while we were on the runway, we had been cleared for takeoff. And then all of a sudden, 
didn't go anywhere. And the pilot came on and announced that there was a delay. And then after a little bit of time, we started Googling what's going on at, at Haneda Airport in Tokyo. And we read about the accident that had happened. And after four hours of being stuck on the runway, we eventually deplaned, went back to the airport. All flights had been canceled. The airport was shut down for the evening. So we needed to rebook flying out of a different city. We ended up flying out of Osaka the next day, had to take a bullet train from Tokyo to Osaka in the morning, and then had to fly to South Korea, have a layover, fly back to Minneapolis from there. So it was just this whole big drawn out process that took us about 26 extra hours to get back home. But we feel really, really, really lucky that we weren't involved in any further way with the accident because I think it was six or seven people tragically lost their lives. And of course, the 350 or so people who were on the passenger plane who had to evacuate a burning plane. So we didn't have to deal with any of that. But it did um, cause a pretty significant delay in our time and took us a bit longer to get back home than expected. And was that something, you know, all those additional travel arrangements you had to make, is that something you were left having to figure out on your own? Or did the airlines step in and, and help out? How did that all how did that all shake out for you? As soon as we deplaned, we got a letter from Delta Airlines. That's who we were flying. We were flying Delta nonstop from Tokyo back to Minneapolis. And essentially, the letter said that all flights and the airport were shut down for the rest of the evening and that we needed to go on to um, the app in order to reschedule our flights. So we weren't really given much assistance in that regard, except for luckily my dad is a diamond medallion member. So he has the highest status with Delta and then I'm platinum myself. So we were able to get on a separate phone line and get stuff rebooked using their customer service. And then to Delta's credit, the day that we got back to Minneapolis, we all got an email with an $800 flight credit and with reimbursement instructions for all of the expenses that we incurred during the delay. So to their credit, they really did a lot to try to make things right for us. But we had to scramble to get onto those flights out of Osaka to get back to Minneapolis because Delta wanted to put us on a flight that wasn't leaving Tokyo for another three days. So yeah, it took quite a bit of time on our part and maneuvering to make that happen. And then I was booking bullet train tickets a few hours before the train was scheduled to depart. And my sister was booking us a emergency hotel stay in Tokyo. So all of us kind of had to work together to figure out what we needed to do in order to get home um, faster than the three-day delay that Delta originally offered us. Boy, that sounds like quite quite the adventure. And, and Leslie, when you're booking travel for your clients, you know, obviously none of us know what hiccups are going to happen along the way, but do you tend to get your clients to book travel insurance as well? Or do most people forego that? What do you, what do you see in your experience? Yeah. So the travel insurance shift really came with COVID. Um, so before COVID, it was 50, 50, if my clients would take travel insurance because they were, nothing's going to happen. It's worth the risk. Um, since COVID, I actually encourage, um, my clients to take travel insurance and they actually have to sign a waiver declining travel insurance because of everything. And so travel insurance in that situation would have helped, you know, recoup the different expenses with the hotel, the increased costs and in flights. And that's the nice thing about me, instead of, you know, hearing Gus, you know, his sister's doing this, his dad's doing this, he's doing that, is my clients are able to send me a message, give me a call, hey, this is what's going on. And on the back end, 
I'm focusing on getting all of this rerouted. Hey, here's a hotel room. Go there. I'll update you with all your details on the back end. And are you finding that your customers, are they getting more or less wary of doing international travel right now, post-COVID, post all the uh, wars and craziness going on right now? The mindset hasn't, in the past year, like 2023, it was very focused on international travel instead of domestic travel. What has changed since COVID is the destinations in which people are traveling to. Um, so with during COVID, we had to have various visas to get into certain countries. You know, you had to have your COVID vaccine card, proof of your booster, all of that stuff to go to certain locations. And now, since a lot of those have been lifted, international travel is peaking more than what it did in the last three to five years because so many people travel domestically during that time because they didn't want to go through all the hoops and barriers to be able to go international. Um, it's just more situational and locational. With the war and everything going on, I personally don't have clients that it has impacted. There are people within my agency where they've had to like reschedule trips and things of that nature. And speaking of that is travel insurance actually isn't covering a rebook for one of our clients because it's considered um, an act of God. Interesting. And then Gus, I know you and, uh, and Nick were working a, a cruise late last year when the war sort of broke out in Israel and in Gaza. What impact did you, that have on your folks's, uh, you know, sort of organized travel plans. The only impact that the recent escalation in Gaza and Israel has had on our travel plans or travel plans of my clients where I haven't been on the trip with them, but just arranged it is just that Egypt is a little bit more open, less crowded, fewer people at the sites because a lot of people out of concern for the current situation in Gaza and Israel have either canceled or postponed their trips. But Egypt is business as usual. Everything there is the same that it's been for the last 11 years since I've been going there or living there off and on. So no impact on us other than quite a few people on different trips have canceled. So there have been fewer people at all of the tourist sites. But now with the start of 2024 and with the war in Gaza and Israel continuing along, but people noticing that Nothing negative is happening in Egypt, especially in those areas where tourists are going like Cairo, Luxor and Aswan, which are very far away from the Gaza Strip. Um, I haven't I, I, I've noticed that things are, are really coming back to kind of normal levels pre-October 2023. Yeah, I was fascinated when I was over visiting Nick in uh, early November and, you know, the war had only been going on maybe about a month at that point. Um, you know, certainly seemed like the rest of the world's visitors were were still going to Egypt. It just seemed like the Americans were uh, the ones sort of canceling and not showing up, um, which I've seen in other other instances when, uh, you know, political or acts of God happen that they, uh, uh, the rest of the world keeps going, but the Americans back off a bit. For, for either of you, have you, do you see that? Do you see a slowdown? Um, for American travel when news sort of first breaks? I definitely do see, it's not necessarily that travel slows down. It's more questioning, should I cancel? Should I rebook? 
what should I do? And, you know, we're supposed to be the industry experts, but we obviously don't have a crystal ball in that. Um, and so it's not necessarily let's rebook. It's when do I have time to cancel my reservation and still be able to utilize my travel insurance when stuff breaks out. And I mean, unfortunately with social media in this day and age, a lot of people are getting their information in the half truth from different Facebook groups and forums and stuff that's getting shared. And so it's really driving them back down to the facts and the stats of what's going on instead of the fear culture that is in our media today. No, and I, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Are you finding, Leslie, on your side that as people want to change their travel plans with or without having travel insurance, when they want to change their plans, are you finding the airlines or hotels uh, or others, are they pretty accommodating to making changes or are they still pretty hard nosed and, um, you know, aren't very flexible right now? It really depends on the situation. Um, so go back to fall of last year with the wildfire in Hawaii. I had multiple clients going to Maui in different islands during that time. And those airlines were very accommodating and very flexible on rescheduling the flight within 12 months or offering a full refund 100% um, amount. If the Mexico, um, you know, there's some distress over in Cancun, especially around the airport and the different constructions and all of that stuff that's going on. And those airlines are not doing anything. It's really, here's our cancellation policy. We all agree to it. Contact travel insurance if you have it. So it's really situational as to what has happened in terms of what the vendors that we work with are doing. And how about on the, on the hotel front or the hotels? Cause I know obviously a lot of hotels want you to, you know, do sort of a hard booking and they'll give you a little bit of a discount, but there's no flexibility. Are you finding when these situations arise, they're a little bit more forgiving or are they being sort of sticks in the mud? The big name brands, Hilton, Marriott, Hyatt, those are a little bit more forgiving. The independent ones we have actually noticed our biggest trouble and difficult with on these situations in getting it to rebook, get a credit, have a voucher, do any type of accommodation. Um, and I understand it because they are independent and they are small and we all agree to this contract. Um, and then they also offer travel insurance. So the clients that don't have travel insurance and are wanting to take the risk, I mean, they do have to decline it multiple times before they ever have their full trip book because you get it on the airline side, you get it on the hotel side, you get it on our side through our vendor. Um, and so it's very situational, but I would say more of the corporate name that can take the bad, you know, take the PR and use it as good versus the independence we have better luck with. Now about you guys, sort of same thing with your cruises and hotel packages and such in, uh, in Egypt, as things have been changing around the world, are you finding that they're locally, that they're being a little bit more flexible or are they sticking pretty hard to, oh, you booked, you, you're out the money? It depends on which supplier I'm working with. Generally, I work with all pretty small local suppliers in Egypt because I know a lot of people there and have a lot of experience living there and speak Arabic. So I've built a lot of these personal connections. 
So with my suppliers, they can be flexible somewhat, but also they have their own deadlines and their own cancellation policies for the different cruises that they charter or the different hotels that they work with to get package rates. So it really depends. And it's a personalized conversation almost every single time there is a cancellation that pops up more last minute. But generally speaking, my cancellation policy is dictated by my suppliers. So if I'm able to offer my clients a refund for a certain percentage of their trip, it means that I'm able to get that money back from my suppliers from what I paid them for that portion of a client's trip. And would you say that the independent hotels, is it just because they're smaller and don't have sort of the leeway to to resell the rooms or do you think it's more of a uh you know more of a dire financial situation for them what 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 kind of tone are you getting back from these hotels again it's just kind of situational property by property or um cruise ship by cruise ship so some of them it is because they are not able to fill in those spaces when they're canceled last minute, like if somebody's canceling, I had somebody for my November group tour, I was just in Egypt, November 2023. And one person decided to cancel 27 days before the trip started. So if that's the case, I'm not able to get those rooms rebooked and my suppliers, the boutique ship that I had chartered, they're not able to get somebody to take that space for that person who canceled. But it just depends. Sometimes it's because they're not able to fill in the space. Other times it's for financial reasons. But generally speaking, with these more small boutique properties that I work with, it's always just a personalized conversation every time something like this happens. And we see what we can do because I definitely want to help people out. I understand that circumstances come up that change people's desire to travel somewhere. But at the end of the day, when money is involved and contracts are involved and terms and conditions are involved, we also have to make sure that we're following those and that everybody's um, everybody's getting paid and and that all of that is happening according to plan. How about this question's for either of you, but when these situations arise, how do you manage the the customer satisfaction that you know you you know whether because you're essentially having to work on behalf of the property or airline or such to sort of be the bearer of the bad news. What do you guys do to help sort of smooth that over? Is there, is it just, you know, trying to talk people down from being angry about it or, you know, what do you do? Or is there anything the properties you've seen do who've been more apologetic and want to help in the future? What do you, what do you guys, how do you manage that? Well, from the front end, what I've been trying to do, similar to what Leslie was talking about, after the pandemic, people have been very, very open to the idea of travel insurance. And I require all of my clients to review an optional travel insurance policy and then to sign in writing if they decide to accept travel insurance or if they decide to reject travel insurance, knowing that all of their expenses for a trip are on the line. And we see things like these force majeure, these acts of God happen, like a war breaking out. That doesn't mean that somebody will get a full refund for their trip because this is in their terms and conditions. This is an act of God. It's out of our hands. We couldn't predict it. There's nothing that we can do. So from the front end, I've noticed having these situations happen a bit less because I'm encouraging everybody to buy travel insurance and really looking into it and what it includes and how it can help them on their trip. 
But then if something does happen, kind of helping to talk with somebody and figure out what exactly their concerns are. Is your concern that you want to go to Egypt, but you don't feel safe now? Okay, well, what if we talk about putting this money that you put toward the trip as a credit to a future trip? Because I'm able to work with my suppliers and push your reservation out for another six months. So just talking to clients and figuring out what the concern exactly is and then trying to see how I can help. How about on your end, Leslie? Yeah, I mean, almost the exact same as Gus is, you know, we do have that signed agreement, whether they accept it or they don't accept it, but it is truly understanding what it is. Um, last week, I had a client call me who is supposed to be going to Mexico over spring break, and they got a TikTok reel from something that happened back in August of 23, and they sent it to me saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is going on and you would sell me this property. Um, and I had to, you know, go back and pull details and facts and, hey, let's go on actual updated forums that are specific to the travel industry, not just somebody doing the fear tactic. But in terms of handling the client, it's same, getting down to the nitty gritty, but then, you know, talking to the different suppliers, hey, can we push this out six months? Can we push it out three months? Can we get a credit instead of a refund? And it all really varies on how close or how far in advance that they are doing it. And it just, it's honestly a flip of a coin. I'm always going to go at bat for my clients, but then I also know that I have a contract with these suppliers and they use what's on the books as their forecasting for their, how they're going to spend their money and budget for that quarter. So that was interesting. You mentioned social media and somebody bringing a, a post or story to you and, and does that happen a lot? I mean, on both sides of, oh, I saw this story and I want to go here. Or, oh, I saw this story. Why, why am I, why am I traveling here? Does that, does that tend to happen now more than, than uh, it used to? It does. Um, you know, I get exactly what you said on both sides where, Hey, I saw this TikTok video. I can't figure out where it is. Can you find it? We want to go there. Or, Hey, I saw this on um, the Riviera Facebook page or, in Hawaii, they say that no tourists are allowed. Um, a lot of people are getting their media information from social media instead of the actual verified news sources. That's got to be really, really frustrating. Um, yeah, that's it's amazing how powerful social media has become. Um, Gus, on your end with with Egypt and obviously with with again the war going on next door, even though it's not affecting things in Egypt, does security really become a question for from clients to you, or things that you have to think through to make sure um, every, everybody feels safe and comfortable? Security is always a question for travelers to Egypt, especially for um, travelers from the United States. But yeah, it's become more so of a question with um, what's going on in Gaza and Israel with the war. And to answer that question, I talk about the security that's always been in place in Egypt since I've been traveling there the first time um, over 11 years ago. And then I also like to point out that using kind of like Leslie was saying, you can get your information from social media and you can read the fear mongering posts that people put out, or you can get, you can 
sink into the comments section and read about what a bunch of uneducated people are posting about a certain destination about how they would never travel there because it's not safe. Or you can use reputable sources. So I always point people to the US State Department, for example. And the US State Department has always had Egypt for the last 11 years since I've been traveling there at a level three, which means they want U.S. Americans to reconsider traveling to Egypt. So that doesn't mean you can't travel there. It just means that they want people to be informed and then reconsider whether or not traveling to Egypt is the right choice for them. So I point that out to people. I say, hey, if you were not concerned about traveling to Egypt two years ago, but you're concerned now because of what's going on, well, from the United States government perspective, nothing has substantially changed for them to alter this recommendation about traveling to Egypt. So just pointing people out to those sources as well when talking about the security situation in Egypt. And ultimately, safety is a perception. It's somebody's idea of, do I feel comfortable going to this place? Or if I go here, am I going to feel secure? Am I going to be able to enjoy myself and relax and take in the sights and the experiences? Or am I going to be worried the whole time that something's going to happen? So it is a personal thing as well. And I let people know, you got to make your own informed decision about whether or not traveling is right for you. But here's what the security precautions are. Here's what reputable sources like the U.S. State Department say, and then you get to decide at the end of the day whether it's the right choice for you to go somewhere or not. So what would, Leslie, what would you say are the top, say, three things that uh, travel providers can do right now to make guests' reservations or guests' booking process more streamlined or easier because of all these, you know, conflicts or, or natural disasters that are taking a place around the world, obviously it seems, I think to everybody right now, it feels like there's more going on than there used to be, but I'm sure social media has played into that. But what are top three things that providers can do to help smooth, smooth these things over? Travel insurance, travel insurance aside. I think like areas that are getting hit with a lot of negative PR in that is, especially on the boutique ones that don't have as much wiggle room as the big corporate backed properties and suppliers is potentially having on their website, you know, what's going on now. And every once a week, every few days, just get on and post an update. You know, the airline, the airport's been acting like this, the roadblocks are over. You know, we see that a lot in Mexico, um, Paris. I was over there during the bed bug breakout. You know, you didn't really know what was going on and how they were treating the mass transit being infested with bed bugs. Um, so, you know, that creates a fear, especially on my side, being in the hospitality industry as long as I have is, how do I protect my family, my clothes in a country that doesn't have the luxuries that I'm used to having inside my travel accommodations? So just keeping up to date and having a better, especially because people are going on social media, not only their website, but having social media posts and updates of, hey, this is what we're doing and being proactive. You saw a lot of that during COVID with the cleaning standards, but once COVID kind of fizzled away and people weren't talking about it as much, those updates and keeping the consumers informed fizzled away too. So I feel like that is a good marketing initiative that they could have kept going and they should bring back with how much is going on. Um, so that's kind of one and two, one of them is their direct website, second one, social media. And then I think just the third is having people actually share reviews and incentivize it. 
people go on and review stuff all the time, but most of what you see reviewed on Yelp and Google and TripAdvisor, I would say it's about a 60-40. 60% the negative because they had a bad experience and they're trying to use it to their advantage of potentially getting a refund or some form of compensation. And the 40% is the good. And so just really encouraging people to go in if they hear that they had a great time. Hey, here's our link to leave a review. We'd love to do that. And you get entered into a drawing. And then that doesn't violate any terms and conditions with those platforms. Got it. That's interesting because obviously TripAdvisor, you know, the hotel industry was so slow to get on the bandwagon about TripAdvisor and the power of, uh, and at that extent, power of social media. Um, it's been interesting to see they've always been on the back foot and uh, now I always try to get guests to fill them out. But to your point, it's usually the ones who are unhappy who are going to fill them out than the ones who are uh, have a good experience to share. And Gus, how about on your end? The, the, what are the three things that could, you know, make it easier, uh, you know, for you to do your job, three things to make it easier for, for vendors to help smooth things over? What should they be doing to make it an easier process for everybody? So everything that Leslie said, I just second all of that. Um, I literally, when she was going like one, two, three, I was like, oh, yep, that was my one I was going to say first. So, yep, that was my one I was going to say second. And especially the social media and that social proof of putting stuff up. This is the current situation. This is what it's like in this destination today. It's Monday morning. We're at this first tourist site. Look around. It's totally safe. Would you be able to picture yourself here enjoying a trip? Um, the one thing I will add is encouraging people as well, not just to post reviews, but also just to have those organic conversations with their family, friends, and coworkers. Because what do we all talk about when we get together, when we get together for the holidays, when we get together and get caught up with friends or family, we ask what trips people have gone on. Where did you go? Oh, how was that trip to Japan? And then just being able to share those stories and those anecdotes, I think that's another really great thing. And I guess that's not really necessarily what suppliers could do, but suppliers could encourage their guests and they could say, hey, you had a really great time. Make sure you tell all of your friends, family, and coworkers about your trip. And when they look at your Facebook photos or they ask you in person about your Instagram stories, tell them about what the situation was like in country and how you felt. So for, for this question is really for either of you. Um, do you have, I guess actually, Gus, you already sort of shared one. Let me, let me ask Leslie. Leslie, do you have any personal travel experiences um, where something, you know, major catastrophic went wrong, but the vendors really helped step up to help put the situation right or help at least, uh, you know, comfort, provide comfort to you guys uh, during that incident? Yes, I never had anything catastrophic to the extent of what Gus experienced when he was overseas in Japan. Um, but we did have a situation where we were traveling, my family and I, um, we travel for the holidays instead of um, doing Christmas presents. We've done that since we were young is we were going to Hawaii. It was my son at the time was six months old and we got stuck in Phoenix, Arizona. Our plane started off as an hour delayed, got pushed to six hours delayed, got pushed to we're bringing in a plane in from California, we're going to still get you guys off tonight. That plane lands in Arizona. 
and they come on board or over the intercom system and let us know, hey, just the airport you were flying into is closed, so you cannot fly in there today. We will have to reschedule you for tomorrow. So not only have we been sitting at the airport for our situation, eight and a half hours, and we already had a leg from Nashville to get there, um, the airline actually stepped up, gave us a $250 per person hotel voucher. They um, gave us transportation voucher. So it was $50 per person. And then the next morning we had priority through their screening process. They had like a whole line for us where we didn't have to stand in the normal line to recheck our bags because they all had to be retagged and you couldn't do it on the kiosk because of the situation. So that was actually, we flew Southwest for that flight. They did really good. And then when we were going where we were going on the big Island, we called the hotel and I was 100% expecting the hotel to say, you know, you're tough out of luck. I didn't buy travel insurance as a travel provider, um, but the hotel that we were staying at actually extended our stay a day um, at no charge. So where we could make up the day that we missed. That's nice. They really did step up there. Yeah, both sides. It was not even just like 50% of the equation stepped up. It was 100% of both vendors. And I did it. I booked them both separately. Yeah, you know, it's I've tr I travel a lot for the work I do. And thankfully, don't have too many hiccups. But it's always nice that one 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 does happen when, you know, that the uh, providers, you know, help out, even if they don't, you know, uh, refund you, but at least help try to smooth over some of the the cracks and pitfalls it always you know you always appreciate that um, i'm always amazed about how much damage uh companies do and i'm going to call out united airlines here um due to themselves when they choose not to do anything and just you know let people fend for themselves you know it is nice when businesses try to help out i think it makes a, it makes a huge difference to travelers um so as we started getting towards the end of our time with this you know, Leslie, I'm really curious to know what are you seeing right now as sort of your top, so say your top three destinations and your top three, I guess, hotel brands. Who are your, who are your, you know, customers looking at? Destination wise, Iceland is really big right now, Greece and Mexico. And actually in that order too. So it's nice to not see Mexico or the Caribbeans being, you know, one or two, which over the past few years that has been. And then when it comes to hotel choice, it's very regional specific. Hilton has been really popular with their, or not Hilton, Hyatt, sorry. Hyatt has been really popular in down in Mexico with their all-inclusives whenever they did their merge with, um with uh apple no apple's a supplier for us um uh who else did they uh, buy AM, amr i think they bought if i remember correctly but yes they did buy a big all-inclusive yeah. brand yeah they bought the all-inclusive so they became that branch and so it's been really nice to see not, not even just that portfolio expand but hilton its own has pushed their own actual hilton properties into the all-inclusive sector so that's been really good in Mexico. And then um, Greece has actually been cruising um, through Celebrity. 
So it's not really a hotel, but I mean, that's what a lot of people are doing right now because you're able to see a good portion of that country on a nine day cruise and get the, you know, top spots. And then Iceland is all independent. I'm sure all the volcanic uh, activity over there has been getting people interested to go and see the country too. Um, in Iceland. That's what I hear a lot from people. Iceland's gorgeous. I love it out there. And Gus, I know you're mostly focused on, on Egypt, um, but within the country is, are there certain, is there a certain destination within the country people want to focus on the most? Well, the thing that people are really, really focusing on with Egypt is the Grand Egyptian Museum, which we still have no idea when it's going to open. It's supposed to have been opened now several times, but that is going to be the largest archaeological museum in the world when it finally has its grand opening. So that's kind of the number one thing that people are talking about in Egypt right now. As for a destination that I've noticed become more popular, and this is thanks to Instagram and TikTok and people posting videos and photos and utilizing social media are the different desert oases. So Siwa Oasis, going camping in the black and white desert or going out to El Fayum Oasis. These oases in Egypt's Western desert have become a lot more popular and I have a lot more people, especially younger people who are active on social media, asking to go to these places in particular. You know, it's funny, Nick and I, we did the Siwa Oasis trip a couple of years ago, and um, it is amazing the power of social media and um, and the, the looks that it can give because we went out to Siwa and a friend of Nick's took us out to those salt pools that you see all over Instagram. And uh, we were both really shocked about, you know, what you see on Instagram and what you see in person are two very different things. Um, we didn't realize that all those lakes were man-made. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing that really makes me chuckle about Siwa. Siwa Oasis is gorgeous. Anybody who's interested in natural beauty and in getting out of super busy Egyptian cities and lots of hustle and bustle should go out to Siwa Oasis because it is gorgeous. But everybody focuses on those salt lakes and they show these Instagram videos that are taken from high above where it shows somebody floating in a pool of really turquoise blue water and it looks beautiful. And then when you get there, you realize it's an industrial mining facility for salt. So they actually harvest salt from these pools. And like you said, they're human made. So they're not even this like beautiful. I mean, it's naturally beautiful because of the salt crystals and everything, but you also have all of this construction equipment, um, making noise and digging out the pools all around you while you're trying to float and take your perfect Instagram, um, video. So yeah, that definitely makes me chuckle, but SIBO Oasis is a, a place that's really popping up on a lot of people's itineraries for Egypt recently. Yeah. I love SIBO. It's probably my favorite place in Egypt. Um, I wish it was, I wish they figured out how to get people there a little bit more easily. So Chris, they actually have chartered flights now that, oh, uh, nice. yeah, I just got an email about this, um, last month. So a new supplier I haven't worked with yet was reaching out to different people in the industry, sharing that they've chartered planes and they have a little mini air service now that goes to Siwa. So they sent me dates through uh, March. And I'm wondering, this might be something they do every single season, depending on demand. So yeah, that would be a huge change. Because otherwise, the only faster way to get people out there, I can charter a plane. But that obviously requires a big group of people all signing on. So this company offering these regular flights is a really great option. 
Yeah, no, that's cool. We'll have to talk more about that. So I guess to wrap this up, Leslie, uh, a question, one last question for you. Do you think that besides airlines, do you think hotels, the rental cars, et cetera, should ask or remind people about travel insurance before they check out or make their purchase online? Do you think that some of that needs to be more forefront um, or should they just, you know, keep, you know, mums the word still and, you know, hope for the best for the customer? So out of those three, I would say the rental cars are probably the easiest to forego anything because most of them do have a cancellation policy where you're not penalized if you don't even pick up the car. So you can reserve a car, you can hold it. And then if for some reason something happens, you can cancel it up until whenever. Um, and they don't really ever penalize you on that. Airlines and hotels, I think a smart marketing ploy on them is if they start including the travel insurance in the cost of the ticket that is displayed. And when the consumer goes to check out, you know, they would say this includes travel insurance to deduct $98, just throwing a figure out there from your trip and be uninsured. So then they're not having to check a box saying that they want it. Um, instead of saying they're having to check a box saying that they don't have it. And then as long as you are seeing the price with it, it fits within your budget. Why wouldn't you buy the travel insurance? What a lot of the companies with the hotels and the airlines are doing is they're getting you with this $500 rate. Oh, it's such a great rate. But then when you go to check out, we're adding, you know, not only are you adding luggage, you're adding seats, you're adding, you know, at that extent, travel insurance. So being a little bit more upfront with their pricing model and including the travel insurance in the cost, I think is going to get a lot more conversion than the people saying, oh, I don't need this because X, Y, Z. But a lot of people are also backed by their credit card um, on travel insurance. So I use the USAA credit card whenever I book travel, and that automatically includes travel insurance for my stuff. But it's not a cancel for any reason, which is what a lot of the travel companies are going to with the insurance that they're offering. Understood. I actually, I think there's some really good information in what you just said for the industry as a, as a takeaway from this. Well, you know, Leslie, Gus, I want to thank you both for uh, joining us on, on uh, Next Gen and Lodging as part of Hotel News Now. Thank you both. And thank you listeners for, for tuning in to another one of our episodes. We look forward to uh, having you back uh, listening again next month. Thank you all. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Isaac Colazzo, Vice President of Analytics at STR. Hi, and I'm Jan Feitak, National Director for Hospitality Analytics for the CoStar Group. Tune in to our new show, Tell Me More, a hospitality data podcast. It's a podcast on the global hotel industry, its current trends, what we're thinking about, and where the industry's going. And we like to have fun with the data, too. Find us on hotelnewsnow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today. The Next Gen and Lodging Podcast is part of the Hotel News Now Podcast Network. This episode was recorded on January 16th by host Chris Henry. It was edited by Robert McCune. Visit Hotel News Now for hotel industry news, videos, podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening.